it's exciting to see that the light go on, you know, with them and, and to realize like, oh, it isn't just my little, my little world here, but, and um, many of them, several of them have gone on to the mission field full time, but a lot of them have gone into other careers where they, that mission experience really affected them. to the Missions Pastor Podcast presented by One Child. One Child is a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. We believe that the local church has the message of hope that the world desperately needs to hear. And in every episode, we highlight churches, pastors, and ministries who are working to bring that hope to hard places. I'm David Jesse. I'm your host for today's conversation with Melanie Williams. Melanie is the missions director at Antioch Bible Church in Redmond, Washington. Melanie and the Antioch Bible believe that a healthy missions ministry is one that finds a good balance between local and global outreach. But as any missions pastor knows, this is much easier said than done. So I asked Melanie to share a bit about why this is important to Antioch Bible. At Antioch, our um, motto, if you will, has been uh, across the street and around the world. Uh, but, and we really encourage our, our people, our congregation, to understand that you are on a mission. It's not just the missionaries that go to these remote places that are called to really hard, you know, what we would see as really hard things. Uh, those aren't just, those aren't the only missionaries. We're, we're all missionaries. God's given us a mission field, whether it's in your office, uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're raising your kids, or you know, and you've, you've got neighbors that you're interacting with, and uh, you know, other moms at the pickup after school, that sort of thing. Like wherever you're at, God's put you there. Um, he does put a calling on some people to to do missions full time or to go on short term trips, but He's calling all of us though to fulfill the Great Commission. And so, uh, for one, just to model that to our church that it's not just these mm. missionaries across the world that are special, uh, but it's across the street as as well as around the world. So, um, yeah, it's not just a few that are called to, to fulfill the Great Commission. We're just doing it in different ways. Yeah. So obviously, if if everyone is called to be on mission um, and not everyone is going overseas uh, full time in ministry or short term mission trips, then that requires for Antioch to have opportunities locally, you know, that across the street element that you mentioned in order to do that. Um, What? has this been always sort of the focus at Antioch or has this been something that was adjusted as, as you know, you looked at the way things were, were progressing with your outreach ministries kind of, how did that come about? Mm, yeah. The church, we just celebrated our 30, 38th anniversary um, oh, and awesome. missions was considered a pillar from the beginning. Uh, and so when that motto actually was put in place, I'm not sure I've been on staff for 14 years. Um, and it was, it preceded me. So it's been at least half the time, um, that Antioch has been in existence that that was the, the motto. Um, but missions was considered a, a pillar from the beginning. And then they rolled it into, um, three categories. We call our, our overseas missionaries, our ambassadors, they are our ambassadors for Christ. And, um, and then our local outreach, uh, and then we have short-term trips that will go periodically as well. So we had kind of this uh, three-legged stool, if you will, that supported what the mission mm-hmm. ministry was. And um, yeah, we we just felt that 
we can't only we can't um, ignore our our own backyard just for sending people overseas. And we don't want to ignore the 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 overseas areas, too, because we're just focused on our our own backyard. Mm -hmm. With everything that's happened over the past several years, a lot of churches struggled with the overseas element Mm -hmm. of missions Um, with, you know, short term ministry trips were were put on hold Mm -hmm. uh, because of travel restrictions. And then global ministry was sort of we're going to have to communicate differently and and send some funds over there. But even those organizations that were serving overseas were struggling um, individuals and organizations with that. So when that kind of thing happens, it's easy for you know, you talked about like a three-legged stool. It's easy for one of those legs mm-hmm. to get out of balance. Yeah. And so everybody's focusing on the needs within your own community during the pandemic mm-hmm. or whatever. And so things shift. You know, how do you avoid drifting to one element of of this strategy over another as you develop your missions efforts, not just from year to year, but season to season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we with our short term missions, it's been interesting because uh, just in recent years, uh, the number of trips that we had been sending out were getting smaller because, um, well, we did have a big shift. I will say uh, seven, uh, seven years ago, our senior pastor uh, relocated to heaven. He had um, cancer mm-hmm. and um, the Lord called him home. And, um, and so we went through a kind of a season of, uh, well, of grief, uh, for sure. Sure. And then, um, we had several other pastors on staff, they, that would take over the preaching on Sundays. Uh, and then, and then we opened up a, a senior pastor search and, uh, the Lord just wasn't opening doors. And so it was, a, it was mm-hmm. a long time in the wilderness and we lost a lot of people at our church. We, we grew, grew mm. quite small. Um, that senior pastor, I will say, uh, pastor Ken Hutcherson, his entire family still attends Antioch, his, his, um, mm. wife, Pat and, and his four adult children, um, are all still at the church serving and, uh, and attending. So, um, there, but there were a lot of people that said, you know, it's not the same and, and they, and left. So we, we were growing smaller and, um, our dynamic was changing. And so we lost, um, several people that were short-term trip leaders. And we, mm. um, we, we didn't ever want to be like, um, when it comes to short-term missions, like let's just spin the globe and, put our finger somewhere and Hey, let's go there. That would be fun. Uh, we, we, um, we know that there are, there are some problematic issues with short-term trips and we wanted to, mm-hmm. we, we just saw them more as a, a way to go and support our missionaries who are on the field full time. How can we come and serve you so that you can keep serving, you know, the, the marathon that you're in. And, and so um, we just had a few shifts. Some of our mission, some of our short-term trip leaders went on the field full time uh, and so we, we didn't want to ever send a team that didn't have a knowledgeable leader who was familiar with the mission, with the ministry, with the missionaries on the, on the ground. And, and it just, it really seemed like it was something the Lord was doing. Like these doors were closing mm. and I was really, I was like, I don't want to just throw out some trips just to be busy. Uh, or I don't want it to be like, Oh no, things are, Oh, you these are closing. Oh, that's a bad thing. And I think that that it's kind of an American perspective, I think, is that we think we've got to be busy all the time. And we have to have all these things going mm-hmm. on so that we look like, oh, we're super successful in missions. And I, I just really always had this sense of like, the Lord is closing these doors. He's doing something. I need to trust what he's doing in this and follow him and not get ahead of him. 
And so we did have one trip that was really thriving, and that was our high school trip. They did a um, an outreach in New York City called New York Go hmm. Gospel Outreach, hmm. and they would it was evangelism, street evangelism, but they did a little bit of everything. They would do short term, um, I'm sorry, uh, street evangelism and uh, homeless outreach, uh, VBS for kids in the park. And and it was a great way to introduce young people to the world. Uh, There's, you know, a little bit of everything in New York City uh, while still being in country and then um, getting them out of their comfort zone to talk to people. And um, and inevitably, everybody on the trip would have like their their day where like this was my really my thing that really got me excited. And uh, this was really hard, but I did it. Now I feel like more confident um, and it was kind of just fun to really see these kids in a, at a high school level where they're, it's a pivotal time in their life to be exposed to missions and to the world and to other people and um, other ways of thinking and to take a chance of stepping out and sharing their faith. And sometimes they get shot down, but they survive <laughs> and they come back to the team. We debrief and and people would encourage them or, you know, and then they you know, they'd have a, a positive experience. And I really saw I was a high school leader for 22 years, my husband and I were and we've been on many of those short term trips with youth. And right. it's exciting to see that the light go on, you know, with them and and to realize like, oh, it isn't just my little my little world here. But and um, many of them, several of them have gone on to the mission field full time. But a lot of them have gone into other careers where they that mission experience really affected them. And that that was exciting to see. So that trip was really growing. We were having more and more kids interested. Mm. And as we were preparing for that trip in 2019 to go for the summer of 2020, I had this sense of not this year. And I thought, what is that, Mm. Lord? And and I just I kind of put out a couple of fleeces to test like, am I just is this you? I'm not sure. And I just kept getting that same message. And the youth leader at the time was like, really gung ho. No, we've got to go. We've got to do a team. And I just, I just kept saying, I don't feel like the Lord is opening the door this year. And I, I finally had to call it in February. I was like, okay, this is the time we're gathering and the kids are writing support letters. And I'm going to just make a decision and say no. And it seemed counterintuitive. It seemed like, what do you, why would you say no to a mission trip? Well, and then, of course, you know, we know what happened with 2020. There were no right. short term right. that year. And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so grateful. I would it wouldn't have been the end of the world, but it would have I would have already been starting that process of collecting support and all of the kids writing letters. And I was glad that we didn't have to go back and undo that. Um, right. So that was also confirmation to me of like, OK, I am hearing what he's saying. I'm not just doing my own thing. So, um, so yeah, then the lockdown, we were in Washington state. Um, the first, the first, uh, cases of COVID were right up the street from our church. In fact, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so we, things got locked down around here real quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. and we had to stop doing church. Our last church service was March 8th. I believe it was 2020 and, uh, quickly pivoted. We're like, my husband, I told you does, does video editing work. And he said, well, I could, I could video the pastors and we could upload to YouTube. And we weren't a church that was live streaming already. So, um, so he started doing that in March. And then in April, we got the news that we had just hired a new senior pastor. So that was really exciting. And he was coming from uh, North Carolina and um, by the, and he came in June, he started July 1st. And two weeks later, 
we got to, they reopened churches and allowed churches wow. again. So his first two sermons were like introductory testimonial type sermons. And sure. were videoed, my, my husband videoed those and, and we posted them. And then he, he, my husband started doing research on how do you live stream? And like, like most, <laughs> all the things that churches had to learn yes, on the fly, right? Like, wow. We yeah. have to reinvent the wheel of how to do church. This is wild. And I, and there was a lot of controversy and people felt, um, you know, very polarized about, you know, we should defy mm-hmm. the government and open. And others were saying we should do everything the government says Romans 13. And, and, um, I felt somewhere in the middle of like, you know, as a citizen, I have one response, but as a Christian, I have another response. And, um, and, and so I think there's a time and a place to defy the government. Um, and, and you could argue that 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 was, you know, in there somewhere. Um, but we had a brand new pastor coming on and I thought his first act Mm. is not going to be to defy the governor. (laughs) I, yeah. So, and I just think, you know, I know maybe it's because of my time in missions, but I just felt like if you, there's been persecution, real persecution all over the world throughout the history of humanity. And, and yet God has done amazing things through people who are faithful to him. You think of Daniel and in captivity in Babylon, it it wasn't a vacation. I mean, I, I think it's easy to just sort of zip through those stories really quickly in the old Testament and not really understand the years and years of agonizing oppression that people were under. And yet, uh, still served God. And so I thought as, as believers, this is what we need to do is we need to, and our pastor felt like we need to be above reproach. We're going to follow all the protocols, but we are going to have church. And so, um, so that's what we did. And we also, then we lost more people that were uh, not happy that we weren't staying open and, you know, or, you know, we wore masks and there was that controversy and stuff, but, um, so, so all in all of this, I've just seen God sifting and sifting and sifting mm-hmm. to to bring Antioch of today where He wants it to be today in this in this new chapter, and um, but all of our missionaries on the field, I was in constant contact with them because this was so interesting that it was affecting all of us. It's not just like, Oh, our missionaries in Belgium are going through this hard time or, Oh, our missionaries in in Thailand are really suffering. No, we were all going through it. It was like, how is it for you in Greece? Oh, how is it for you? in the Philippines? (laughs) Wow. That's wild. Here's how it is here. And you know, everyone experienced it different. Every, every government responded differently. And so it was interesting to talk Mm -hmm. to everybody and everybody had to pivot how they did ministry. And depending on the type of ministry, like we have, a couple of missionaries with crew. So they're doing campus ministry. Well, campus was now online. You couldn't go to a coffee shop and meet. So everybody got really good at Zoom. And um, there, you know, so it, just hearing how everybody was able to sort of pivot and seek the Lord. And and I think in the beginning, it was just really a time of just stepping back and, and seeking the Lord. And I just wanted to be encouraging as mission director to our missionaries, uh, praying for them, uh, praying for the Lord. And it, and it does, it does feel like, Oh, ministries stopped, but it hasn't stopped. And, you know, sometimes it's just, we're regrouping, we're praying for each other. And then the Lord's going to open opportunities and we just have to be open to looking at where those are. And so I, I feel like that was kind of where our focus was. And we did have one couple that had to come home off the mission field. Um, she was, they were in the Philippines and she was pregnant and had a high risk pregnancy, but mm. they weren't allowed to leave their home. So she wasn't allowed to go to the hospital for checkups or anything like that. 
um, they were they were in serious lockdown. They had police checkpoints and you had to show ID. Only one person from your house was allowed to leave to go get groceries and things like that. Um, so they were they had to come home off the field um, uh, to have that baby safely and everything. And he's a Filipino national. She's American. And so okay. but in the process they were they were able to get his green card was just approved last week um her mother got cancer and passed away during oh. that time so they were able oh. to live in the home and be with her so even in all of that i just see the lord's hand in bringing them home everyone mm. else was able to stay on field and even if they had to pause ministry they were able to you know be ready when things opened up um and short term trips obviously had didn't happen um, and we haven't started that up again yet. Um, but local ministry doing, um, especially like for people that were struggling financially, needing food, needing, um, th- that sort of help like that has continued, um, ongoing for us. Uh, most of the local ministry that we already were doing that, that kept, kept going, just looked a little different. There's an important truth that helped guide Melanie and Antioch Bible through the challenges of the pandemic and everything that came with that unexpected pastoral transition. Because their outreach and missions ministry empowers everyone to be involved locally and globally, there were people ready and equipped to step in to keep their ministries strong and active. We'll get back to our conversation with Melanie after this brief message from One Child. Together we believe extreme child poverty has an end, and it starts with hope. Hope is a vision for a better future, a way to get there, and the courage to try. And it is built through the church all over the world, coming together as one global community to help children thrive. We create a partnership experience that reflects your heart for the world. Together, we find the point where our mission and vision intersect to address the needs of children living in hard places. Together, we are a community that sees children as solutions, not problems. A community with the courage to go to the hard places. A community that gives so children can thrive. Together, this is us. Your church, a shared vision, celebrating global impact through the local church. For more information, visit onechild.org slash partnership. A pretty strong measure of whether a missions ministry is healthy is seen in the stories of lives changed as people are being sent out from the church. I asked Melanie to share some examples she's seen of this in her 14 years on staff at Antioch Bible. Hmm. Yeah, we um, the the mission pastor that was on staff before me or I worked, I served under him and then um, he and his wife went on the mission field. And so then I became the director. So that's how that. Happened. Okay. Um, so they, um, and they're doing inner city ministry. He was a, a former, his uh, name's David Hughes. And he was a former NFL football player with the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, cool. And then um, was our mission pastor for, um, I think it was 12 years he was on staff. And, um, but the Lord had called him to do um, inner city ministry 
where he's coaching a high school football team. Um, but it's just a, just an open door to, you know, speak into these boys' lives, into their families. Um, they do, they've just, they've just transformed, um, some lives. I mean, it's, there are boys that, um, were homeless that, uh, Hmm. dangerous home lives that have lived with them. They ended up not only graduating from high school, but going on to play ball in college and, um, has really encouraged them to seek out careers that very few guys are going to play in the NFL. And even then you don't even know how long, um, right. So you've got to get it. If, if you're going to get a, a scholarship to play ball in college, it's an it's an opportunity to get a degree. And, and what are you passionate about? And really trying to help them find those things. And I've seen multiple boys have those stories, whereas they would have just been a statistic. Otherwise, uh, mm. you know, there's just gangs and drugs and um, uh, all, all of those temptations and in, in um, particularly in the inner city, it's just a little mag is everywhere, but it's just magnified there. And um, uh, so they, they've had a tremendous impact there when, um, but his, uh, his philosophy when he was the mission pastor was really important that anyone going on a short-term trip, um, it's not a vacation. It's not um, uh, tourism. It, it is it is an opportunity to serve the Lord and and it is serious and there is going to be spiritual warfare and you just don't take it lightly. And so they would go through a pretty intense process to even be approved to go on a short term trip. And they wanted them mm. to have kind of a miniature experience of what it was to go through a full time missionary candidacy uh, where there wow. was a lot of paperwork Um with a lot of like really introspective questions about the, you know, their, their testimony and their walk with the Lord. Um, they would be interviewed by the, we had a missions board um, and mm-hmm. uh, they would be interviewed by them one-on-one or one person with the whole board, uh, which was intimidating for the high school students, but it was a great, it was also a great learning experience for them. Um, they would have to write letters and, and raise their support. We even had um if they were if they were a family that 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 could afford to pay for it and, and didn't want to write the letters, um, we asked that they would still write a letter and say, you know, while my portion is covered, if you'd like to donate to the team, and also I still need mm-hmm. prayer, um, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, we don't want to write a letter; we can just pay for it. No, you still had to go through the whole process of what that is to seek out a support team, even if they're praying for you. And we found that some of those kids. They, they would get they got a lot of support come in and then it would cover the kids on the team who didn't get very much support because the support mm. kind of went into anything over and above what you raised would go to the team. And sure. and just even I, I would really stress to them that even the process of once you've signed up, the mission trip has started. And so the process of raising support mm. and oh, there's a lot that the Lord is teaching you in in that Um it, this isn't just a, oh, I have to write a letter and get some money. It, this is a process. And this is what the full-time missionaries go through. And it can take a year or two or three to raise enough funds to go on the field. Mm-hmm. So so they had a miniature experience of what it looks like for a full-time missionary to go on a short-term trip. So they were pretty serious by the time they would get on field. And we would hear from mission organizations all the time, we don't have teams that are as well prepared as your team. And we mm. had it, we had created a manual, a, a, a training manual for short term trips, we would have monthly meetings, and they would go through this, I think it was six sessions, um, that would go in depth about training and preparing for the field. And we actually 
um, sent those manuals to other ministries that wanted that wanted them. We weren't wow. we, we weren't trying to you know be stingy with it. We would love everybody to be well trained <laughs> before they go on a short term trip. So we've sent them to uh, ministries in the in the states, also in the Philippines and in Greece, um, so that the people on that on the receiving end could require everybody coming to do these manuals. So they send them out as well. That's awesome. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> it does. No, it does. It, it helps me get an idea of how you guys are, are, are thinking holistically with your, your missions ministry. And it's not just about balancing local and global is not about having a checklist or a series of columns that say, this is our global, this is our local. Mm -hmm. And now let's make sure that the ledger balances out Mm -hmm. as far as what we're doing. It's about being balanced in the, in the mindset and the approach towards it is what it sounds like. If you were to sit down with a missions pastor at a church that was trying to get more intentional about having more of a holistic balanced approach towards their missions work, what advice would you give them? I guess, first of all, to not look at it as a project. Um, it's easy to look at missions as a project or people as a project. Um, so yeah, not a project. And also to trust that let the Lord lead you. It's his, it's his church. It's his ministry. And um, again, I think there's that pressure of like, okay, I've got to be able to have this, this spreadsheet that like, here's what we're doing and here's our analytics and here's what we're getting out of it. And, um, and, and to have some measurable stuff. That's that's not that there's not a place for that, um, but it can't, that can't be the only thing that's driving it. So you've really got to start with prayer. Um, it's, it's the Lord's ministry and, and there's no two mission ministries that are going to look the same. I think not, there's not like, oh, this church is doing it right. And this is, and everyone should look like this. No, I mean, we are, um, Antioch is a multicultural church. That's a, that's foundationally part of who we are is, um, multi-ethnic. And that's not just our congregation, but our leadership is multi-ethnic, um, and cross-cultural is really important to, to us. And so all of our missions work is, uh, has a cross-cultural element to it. Um, so it's, it's kind of obvious when you're going overseas that you're engaging in a new culture, but, um, like we have a Ghanaian pastor who has a church plant in Ghana, but, um, and you could say, well, he's, you know, a Ghanaian ministering to all other Ghanaians, but his church is mixed with deaf and hearing people. And mm. in African countries, that's, that's pretty unusual because they're considered cursed. If you have a birth defect. Oh, wow. And they're the untouchables. Like you don't spend time with them. And so to have a church with deaf and hearing is very unusual. And so that's their cross-cultural. So it, it you know, it's not just the obvious cross-cultural um, situations. Um, and so we have ministry uh, missionaries in Greece and they are um, reaching the Greek people, but but also because Greece is the gateway to Europe from the Middle East. And of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. since the, since the uh, Syrian refugee crisis, even before that, they were doing refugee ministry because there's always been Middle Eastern refugees mm-hmm. coming through. But they were already in a position to really handle that huge flow uh after 2014, 15, when the Syrian refugee crisis happened. So they're Greeks that are ministering to uh, 
Arabs and uh, Persians and, and now North Africans as well that are coming through. Um, mm. So cross-cultural is really important to our church, and that may not necessarily be how it looks for another church. But so I would say you just you, it's not a project. You have to seek the Lord's direction. Um, and even if that looks like you're not doing something uh, the way people expect it to look, if that's if, like like the Lord telling me no on the New York trip for 2020, mm-hmm. I thought, am I doing something wrong here? Why am I saying no to something? It feels wrong to say no to ministry. But if the Lord's leading, you know, it's not a formula. It would be easy if it was. <laughs> God just said, mm, right. formula, I'll see you in a hundred years. But no, he wants to walk through life with us. And, uh, you know, I think about when, when Moses was leading the Israelites and, and, and God told him to strike the rock and the water came out. Mm. And then later, God told him, don't strike, don't strike the rock again. And, and he did it anyway. He went back to what, well, this worked before instead of listening to God. And I, I, that, yeah, that's just always kind of a constant reminder to me that I have to be listening to him because what he told me before is maybe not what we're doing next. Melanie has some good principles to share with us. Um, over the past 30 minutes. Uh, Here are three that really stood out to me. First, everyone in your church is called to missions in one way or another. So having a good balance of opportunities, both locally and globally, allows them to find that fit. And then second, as your members find their fit, they're able to grow and mature by continuing to take advantage of these different options. And then finally, never look at balance in um, a missions ministry as kind of a ledger to be measured. There are no cookie cutter answers to doing this. And so what that means is that you have to slow down. You have to take some time to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit. thank Melanie for joining me on this episode of the Missions Pastor Podcast. If you want to learn more about Antioch Bible Church, go to abchurch.org. And thank you for listening to the Missions Pastor Podcast. The show is presented by One Child. We are a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. To learn more about how your church can partner with One Child to bring hope to hard places, go to onechild.org slash partnership.